0: Please turn in your New Testaments to Acts chapter 28 verses 11 through 16 and we have one more sermon to go in the book of Acts next week and then we will head into Palm Sunday, Good Friday and Easter. Uh, it's, it is that time of year again. Acts 28, 11 through 16 and this is the word of God. After three months... We set sail on a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on that second day, we came to Puccioli. There we found brothers. And we're invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we finally came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when he came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Lord, we pray that as was prayed earlier, that as your scriptures come into our lives this morning by the power of your spirit, your truth, that you would fill our hearts. And Lord, that you would give us um, a vision for something meaningful in our lives this very week in your body, your church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, so Paul is finally on to Rome, just as Christ said that he would go. You'll remember Christ appeared to Paul and said, "And you will go to Rome and so Paul has been on the way to Rome. It all started with an arrest in the temple. Paul was almost killed in the temple. A big riot happened. Then Paul goes through meetings and and appearances before procurators and tribunes and governors and ...and kings and, and all of this stuff. And then Paul goes through a shipwreck. You know, there's a lot of, uh, lot of things going on. When Jesus said, you will go to Rome, it was not a very straight line to Rome. And uh, then he, he goes through a, a poisonous snake bite and all kinds of things. But to the capital of the civilized world, the risen Christ is sending Paul. For Paul to bring that good word of the gospel... Paul to bring his ministry that God's given him to the very epicenter of civilization. And Paul is making his way to Rome. And you know, when you get to this section of Acts 28, I have to tell you, and and I can say this just by studying and reading commentaries, that there is a tendency to kind of move past our text today a little too quickly. Uh, maybe it's because we've been trying to get Paul to Rome for several chapters, you know. Um, maybe it's because Luke is such an incredible, Luke is the author of, of the book of Acts, Dr. Luke. Maybe it's because he is such a copious historian that that we read all of these places and ports and the wind, the south wind came and how many days it was. We read all this that Sometimes we might get lulled into thinking this is kind of travelogue before you get to the main event when you're in Rome or or maybe this is just just some kind of transition to Rome. And, and there are so many details here. but But I think this is a very significant portion of Scripture because of something else that is recorded here. And it's not just the places and it's not just the weather and it's... It's not just those things. It's the people. It's the people that appear in this passage. And the Holy Spirit wants us to see this. If I could put it into a sentence, it would be something like this. In living out the gospel of Christ, people make the difference. Let me say that again. In living out the gospel of Christ in this relationship with God... People make the difference. Because the fact is, is we aren't meant to do this thing alone, right? We can't do this thing alone. In fact, it is contrary to the very meaning of the gospel of Jesus Christ to think that we would live out the gospel alone. Because what is the gospel? The the gospel is that event the gospel is that which God has done for us that becomes our all in all, that becomes the basis of our lives. The gospel is God giving to us His only Son. God giving to us when we turn to Him uh, His love and the fullness of life in Him, His Spirit as His children. And so living out the gospel is to—it means to, to live in the wonder of the, the satiation, of God's grace. And there, there is all that we need there. It is to be able to rest. It is to be able to rejoice in what God has done and it is complete. But to live out the gospel of God's giving and sacrifice and loving us is to give to other people. You can't do that alone, you see. You can't talk gospel and prophet Christianity in the same sentence. It doesn't work. And you know, deep in our hearts, we wouldn't want it to work. Because living out the gospel really is giving to other people. And we need the love of of other believers in our life. And God's just made us that way. You know, God has created just enough personal deficit within each of us, in our various gifts, and our various weaknesses, Our limited understanding and the need for teaching and all the things that we need. He has created this so that we will not only need one another, but find one another. And love one another in the body of Christ. So, lots of details here in Acts 28, 11 through 16. Uh, The details, Luke says that after three months on the island of Malta, they finally set sail. They went to Cyprus. Malta's just, just south of Cyprus, and Cyprus, you know, is just south of the, 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 the boot, Italy, the, the, the Italian peninsula. Uh, they pulled into a, court, a, a port called Syracuse. Aren't you fascinated at the names of towns, uh, even in the United States, that are named after Bible places? Well, this is what Syracuse, New York, was named after. It's the large, It was the largest city in Cyprus at that time. And uh, they stayed in Syracuse. We, we find out how long they stayed in these places. Uh, the south wind, you know, takes them out, and and they end up uh, sailing up to the t- right at the toe of of the Italian Peninsula. If you can kind of see that it looks like a boot, right at the toe. Uh, the name of the place is Regium, and then from Regium they went to one of the two places that you would go, um, and it was the closest port that was a major port of Rome. In fact, it was the only port of Rome for for many many years, and. And that is the the port city of, and I just like to say this in an Italian way, Puccioli. <laughs> so they went up to Puccioli. And and, and once they get to Puccioli, it, it's on foot to Rome from here on, on the, the Roman highway called the Appian Way. But all these details lead to, to an interesting Uh, some interesting pictures. Look at verse 11. After three months, we set sail on a ship that wintered in the island of Malta, a ship of Alexandria, Egypt, with the twin gods as the figurehead. And I won't go into the twin gods, but they're they're kind of in in one scheme of, of the gods, kind of the gods of maritime safety. So it's kind of like a hood ornament on a car, and it's just on the front of the bow, and instead of one god, there's two gods, and that's kind of the way they did it. And why in the world would Luke go into the detail of saying they grabbed the ship of Alexandria. It's a ship that carried grain. And there were these twin gods on the the thing. Well, I'll tell you why he did it. Because what he's showing us is that Paul is a gospel light in the midst of the world. That this really is the Gentile world. And and Paul, you know the one that Paul said, you're going to Rome and everybody on that last ship that broke up is going to make it and I'm with you. I'm God. And there he is, he's this gospel light, he's living out the gospel, and there are the twin gods. And it's just a a great picture of what's going on uh, as he moves toward that great pagan city, that city of many gods called Rome. And then there's the other details of this text, and the ones I'd like to focus on this morning. When Paul arrives in Puteoli, what does he find there? He finds an entire community of Christians. Paul had written the book of Romans three years or so before this event. This is about 60 A.D. or or something like that, we think. Um, Yes, the gospel had gone out into all the world. Yes, the gospel had already gone to Rome There was already a church at Rome. Paul had written the book of Romans to them in advance. And Paul was, of course, well known. You think we love the book of Romans? The Romans love the book of Romans. (laughs) The epistle from the Apostle Paul. And um, and what what he finds when he gets to Puccioli are these people that greet him and welcome him. And we read that Paul and his companions in verse 14 were allowed to go stay with the believers in Puteoli for an entire week. Now he was obviously very respected by the Roman uh, guards that kept him with the chains. I mean, they're giving him this like house arrest instead of taking him to the jail, instead of keeping lots of soldiers on him. You know, just kind of one soldier that goes with him. He, he's got a chain. He's under what's called house arrest. But he's able to stay with these people for seven days. Can you imagine, after all of that, just all of a sudden just being hugged into this group of believers who are so glad that you are there? Don't you find that a beautiful thing after all Paul has been through? Have you ever had that feeling coming in from a long, long, lonely flight at the airport? I have. You know, you've been on an airplane forever. And you've been sitting by somebody you don't even know forever. And you're tired. And when you come into the airport, sometimes it can be from a very long trip. Isn't it an amazing human experience to have people at the airport with with arms extended, just ready to hug you and receive you and love you? I I think that's one of the simple and great moments of life. To be greeted and hugged and, and loved and cared for. You know, I think about these Yakima mission trips with our with our young people. Of course, I, I try to see off and pray over uh, different ones of the of, of us pastors. Do that kind of pray over them as they leave. But I know uh, when my daughters were were in high school, uh, I was uh, a part of the receiving party as well. And sometimes that would be in the daytime, and then sometimes that would be in the most ungodly time at night. Uh, you know, and there we would be in the parking lot out here and. It was kind of fun with the mamas and daddies just in the parking lot waiting for the bus to arrive, and then, you know, uh, let's say it's 1 o'clock in the morning or something on Highland Colony Parkway. There's nobody coming down the road, and then suddenly there is a diesel-driven bus that pulls in, kind kind of leaning over, coming up into the parking lot, and you can see all these little hands waving through smoky glass, you know, and here they come. I mean, you know, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, just stepping down right here with us and there's mamas and there's daddies and it is just this, this incredible hug fest. And just holding, holding these people close. Why? Because we love them. Because they belong to us. We identify our lives with them. Because they're our family. And Paul, after all this, he gets to Puteoli and he is just hugged. He's welcomed. And he is cared for, and he stays an entire week. Can you imagine being in the little church service with the Apostle Paul preaching and hanging out, you know, at a dinner party with the Apostle Paul and, and these believers uh, in, in this port city? You know, for Paul, these were oasis people for him. They just bring love and refreshment and encouragement. The journey of life can get rough sometimes, y'all true. I'm here to bear witness to the fact that the journey of life is rough. And we have to have people to care and embrace us in that journey. We just can't do it alone. And we have to extend the love of God, living out the gospel, to others in their journey. We have to hug people who need that care that's kind of a metaphor. Who need that care, need that identification along this journey that is so difficult. We need to do that for other people. And the sight of you is beautiful to me in the midst of a rough journey. And the sight of these people was beautiful to Paul. I mean, it's, it's like we should read this and say to one, or, one another... Hey, allow me to be an Oasis person in your life. Don't don't hold back from me. Allow me to extend my hand. Allow me to smile. Allow me to listen. Allow me to embrace. Allow me to be with you, to encourage you, to strengthen you. And so many... Ways, this is one of the most important facets of the kingdom of God because living out the gospel is not a solo endeavor. God designed us with this need, and this need will not be met if we don't live out the gospel. And those who have received reach out and give and love and care. You know, when I lived in Colorado, I did a lot of hiking behind my neighborhood. There were some mountains and trails, and you know, three times a week I would go meet people and go hiking up in those in those hills. We would call them Mississippi mountains, Himalayan mountains in Mississippi. Um, but you know, seven and a half years, three times a week at least on the same trails means that I know every foot of those trails. I can almost, if I if I could have named every bush, I could. And every tree, I could just take you to each one of those bushes and trees by name if I'd named them. In my mind, I can I can walk that trail anytime I want to because I walked it so often. And you know, it's it's fascinating thing out there. Uh, a lot of the soil is very very hard and rocky, of course, in the Rocky Mountains. And you know, like here, several of the the shrubs and the plants, like I mean, you have you almost have to dig to China to get an azalea bush out of your your yard, right? I mean, you almost need like like a tractor to pull it up because those roots go down so deep. And, and the trees, you understand what a taproot is? A taproot that goes way down to, to not only get nutrients but to anchor the tree so that when the, the hurricane comes through here, there, there's ample roots to, to hold the tree in place. But well, that just wasn't happening. You know, in Colorado in these rocky places... Uh, And so what what these these shrubs and these little trees, what they would do, and I found it really fascinating, is is their roots would go down, but they'd only go down just through the topsoil because they weren't going to be able to go through the rock. And what did they do? They they went down into the topsoil, and then they would go horizontal. But here's the important part, because there's some strong wind in Colorado, folks. You know, there was like 85 miles per hour wind here with Katrina. and It was like 60 miles per hour a lot, just normally out there. So there needs to be some serious root systems with that kind of wind, right? Well, let me tell you what happens is these trees grow next to one another. They go down, they go here, and they intermesh their roots. To pull up one of those trees, you'd have to pull up every one of them on the whole, the whole hillside. It's a beautiful picture. Because that is what we are like. And we are to live in this world, but not of it. We're not supposed to put tap roots so far down into this world. This isn't even our home. But we are supposed to live here and put those roots down into the, the topsoil. But we, we, we need to live out the gospel and, and we need to hold one another up, you see. We need our roots to intermesh. We need connection with one another this is this beautiful strength of living out the gospel together. And we can flourish and we can be fruitful when there is this interwovenness and, and this locking together and this care. Or maybe we should just use the, the, the picture the Bible gives. We're a part of the, what, body of Christ. And the whole point of the body is, is you can't be alone. You don't have a functioning body without the parts. You don't talk about a body in terms of one part of a body. An arm isn't a body. But an arm, a hand, a heart, a mind, eyes, all of this functioning together. All of this interwoven. Now that's the body of Christ. That's beautiful. That's powerful. That's not only powerful in ministry because of the gifts that come together but that's powerful in terms of encouragement and intermeshing, interlocking, holding one another up, you see. It's a beautiful picture, and we need each other. But onward in our text, in Acts chapter 28. And we need to meet a few more people in this text before we're finished today. So they're in Puccioli, and there they are getting hugged and hospitality and loved by these people for a week. Somebody has left Puccioli in the midst of this seven days that Paul was with them. Somebody has walked up to Rome and said, Guess who's here? You know the guy who wrote Romans? <laughs> He's coming. And and so Paul, from the port city of Putioli gets on what's called the Appian Way. The Appian Way was the marvel of engineering at that time. You know, walking down paths and cart, goat carts and all this for hundreds of miles, tens of miles, is exhausting. The Romans were incredible with their engineering ability, their mathematical ability. The Appian Way is the, was the straightest road ever built at that time. What's great about that? You don't have to do this up there. It was just straight to Rome. It was the wonder of the world. It was the approach to Rome. And it said, this is the most modern city on earth. These are the people that can subdue the planet with their their know-how. I've been on the Appian Way. It's incredible. Stones about that big, interlocked. Appian Way, when when we say Roman Highway, don't think I-55 or anything like that. It's like a double wide sidewalk, really. I mean, it's just enough for about four people to walk abreast. That was a highway. That's what Paul, I mean, it was so cool, y'all, to walk on the very stones that the apostle Paul walked on coming into his first imprisonment in Rome. I made sure I walked sideways, so I made sure I, I hit one of the stones that Paul walked on. Sometimes you have to, you have to, you know, make sure. Uh, when you're on location. And there he there he came, marching really with, you know, with chain, marching up the, the Appian Way, finally to Rome. And there they came. I mean, guys, when you when you really begin to peel this text back, it's so dear. How much has this guy been through He's trusting God, and you know he has felt alone at times. He's been left for dead, stoned, stoning. He's been beaten with rods. He's been thrown into prison. And there they came, more brothers and sisters, come to greet him because somebody in Puteoli told them that Paul was coming. Uh, he had written the, apost- the epistle, the, the letter to the Romans, as I mentioned three or so years before that, and in the closing chapter of the book of Romans, and this shows you how interconnected the early church was and how appreciated people who stepped up into leadership were, he mentions 27 people by name in that last part of the book of Romans, and he says how he longs to come there and see them. Now, they didn't imagine he would be brought in chains uh, by a Roman soldier but he wants to see them, and they're not waiting for him to come to Rome. Look at verse 14. And so, Luke says, Luke was with Paul. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, meaning in Rome, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. Appian way, going to Rome. Go out from Rome, forty, roughly 41, 42 miles is a place you can still go there. It's called the Forum of Appius. Ten miles closer, which would be 30 miles from Rome, is a place called the Three Taverns. Named, you know why, because of the three taverns that were there. These people in Rome walked two days. To hug the Apostle Paul, metaphorically. Maybe they hugged him in reality too. Probably did. To receive him, to welcome him, to walk into Rome with him and say, you know what? You got friends. You got us. You're not alone in this world. We are your brothers. We will be with you. And so some of them meet at the Forum of Appius. Now there's a bunch of people on the. At the and we had a whole other group meets them at the three taverns, and now there's this, there's this, this you know, kind of entourage uh, following and walking with Paul into Rome, and and it all kind of comes into focus in verse 15, in this one sentence, on seeing them when they came out to him. Paul thanked God and took courage. Now, you know, if you just read that real fast, what it says is, Paul said, oh, thank God, I'm so encouraged. And he was thanking God he was encouraged. But if you dig a little deeper into the the words in Greek that kind of make up this sentence, and seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage, what you're going to find is that the two words for took courage only appear six times in the entire New Testament. This is not a very common construction of words. So therefore, it's going to be pretty easy to nail down what the meaning of it is in the New Testament. Do you know how many times the word took courage or taking courage uh, occurs in the book of Acts? This makes it even easier Two. That means it's here and in one other place. So why don't we look at that other place? and we might discover something about the meaning of what Paul was actually feeling and why here in Acts 28. If you want to go to Acts 23:11, you certainly can. This is the other place where these two words appear. This is right after the riot that almost killed him in Jerusalem. This is right after his arrest, everything was up in the air. And the risen Christ, this is one of the few times this happened in his life, the risen Christ appeared to him. And this is where Paul is told by Christ, and I'll just read the text, Acts 23, 11, the following night the Lord stood by him and said, here's the words, take courage, for just as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem. I kind of like that, the facts about me. This actually happened. This is the truth. This is the only portal of grace to a holy God. For just as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify about me in Rome. You're going to Rome, Jesus says. But he says first, Jesus says, take courage. You know, it's the, it's the same kind of word that we would use an English word, be encouraged. What do you think the word encouraged means? Have you ever thought about this? See, we think the word encouraged means to, to kind of have a warm feeling. And, and we do have a warm feeling when we're encouraged. That's kind of the No, it means to actually gain courage, to be able to face it. To be able to move into the next step. You see, encouragement isn't just for us to feel better. Encouragement is for us to have a mindset shift that allows us to face what is next. Take courage. Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, who reigns at the right hand of God, told Paul, Be encouraged. Take courage. You're going to Rome. And I'm going to be with you. And now... The same thing is happening when Jesus' people are with Him. That is powerful. It is to say that that Jesus Christ in us and through us and words of truth from us and love from us give courage like Jesus Himself in person gives courage. Do you get that connection that's an amazing connection right there. Meaning, we matter in other people's lives. We matter. And the risen Christ in us and the truth of the gospel in us and the love of the gospel that is not a solo endeavor is given through us and people take courage. Very often in living out the gospel, it's the people. Who make the difference. And I'm going to tell you something. We are a dysfunctional people. Who are veering toward. A profound loneliness. On purpose. In our culture. Our choice. And you're going to lose courage. And you're not going to be able to face it. And if you're not careful. You're going to get to a place where you don't even care. What the next step is anyway. As long as you know Jesus loves you. And me. Translated. Your presence and your love is a difference maker. In the lives of other people. You have to choose. To encourage other people. you got to choose to extend your hands. Even a smile matters, people. Even a smile matters. Even a word of greeting matters. Even a hand extended matters. Listening matters. And engaging and loving and with words and with prayer encouraging one another matters. All these things show that we are the body of Christ. That's who we are. And we're living outside of our design if we choose to do this alone. Finally, and quickly, in Rome, we read that Paul is able to be under house arrest and to be with all the believers there. Verse 16, and when he came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldiers who guarded him. And we're going to find next week, and we're we're going to finish next week. I promise. (laughs) But, you know, we just weren't going to treat this like travel log today. Um, Paul finds strength along the way from his brothers and sisters. And Paul finds strength in Rome. And there in Rome, he gets intermeshed with so many people that hold him up in the midst of his first imprisonment and his second imprisonment, that did lead to his execution by decapitation. In his epistles, he talks about the care. And I'm just going to read their names. And he especially says how grateful he has been for the love, the embrace, the care, the service of these people. He mentions by name Luke, Aristarchus, Timothy, Tychicus, Onesimus, John Mark. There's a story there. Jesus called Justice, Epaphras, and Epaphroditus. And a guy named Demas who turned away from him finally. Why do we have these, why, why we have these mentions? Because it mattered. We need people to walk with, people to hold us up. People to help us take courage at the mile markers of our lives. This is important. We need the body of Christ. Can I just say something? If you dwell in the gospel, if you want to live out the gospel, if you're receiving that love, if you're receiving that security, if you're receiving that work of the Holy Spirit, be that to somebody this week. Pick up that telephone. Get in front of somebody. Extend a hand. Embrace them. Because living out the gospel of Jesus Christ, people make the difference. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us first to live out the gospel and to really receive all that you have for us and not try to live by bread alone and make our own existence outside of you. But Lord, to really have the the life that is truly life and... And you want us to have that. And Lord, there's, there's much that you're doing in our lives to focus us on the reality of your grace and your truth. Would you do that in our lives? And Father, would you bring us out of ourselves toward one another just as you in Christ have done for us? Lord, would you let, even this week, Highlands be an embracing church? Let us be the body of Christ.